Lord. Praise God. God bless you, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us. And as Timothy said, it's great to see new people with us. You're very, very welcome. Do join our other sessions through the week on uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy your day. Easter camp, indeed. If you, ha if you have anything you need to do with your work or with planning, please do it as soon as possible. Join this year, even though it's going to be on Zoom. Timothy and I were with um, some pastors yesterday just arranging from other churches who are just arranging their schedule and we've had a good sign up this year from churches that don't normally join us because it's on Zoom, you know. It was too expensive to come from Dublin or Belfast or wherever. So hopefully we'll see a very, very good turnout. Praise God. So what was it? It was about six weeks ago, I guess now, we began looking at... The, the end times, last days, the days in which you have been chosen to live. The Bible says God himself determines the times and the places in which you live. This is an, an enormous scripture, huge scripture. I could, have lived in, I, I could have lived at any time. And I think you're particularly blessed if you were walking in Jerusalem in the days of Jesus, don't you? <laughs> I think those people are blessed, those leaders, those apostles, those people who heard Jesus at his first coming. And then, of course, there's those at his second coming, those who are alive in the last days. And I do believe that is very close. And that just caused us to think about resurrection, judgment and rewards. These three things. And we've spent a few weeks just looking at that. I've been given time, talents and treasure. And how am I using that? Am I awake? You know, the Bible often says, you know, awake, awake, arise, arise. Trying to get our attention to the days and the times in which we live. I want to continue that same theme this week. We were looking at talents and giftings and how we used them last week and our time. Today I want to look at treasure in terms of finance, solely finance. At least one time in your life, you should hear... A holistic message on finance. I believe in seeing the big picture. Remember when we did end times. That was I, We started with a big picture. And I think if you don't see the picture in the jigsaw puzzle box, for the rest of your life you're struggling. I like big pictures. If I'm going to study the Bible, look at an overview of the Bible first. And then I don't struggle for years. So this morning, I don't know if you've ever done this in your life. This is an overview of finances in the Bible. And I think at least one day, dedicate the next, whatever, 45 minutes to getting this information, this picture on the box into your mind. And I believe, I wholeheartedly believe that this can help you enormously. So, um, I've preached about finances and giving and all that in many different countries. And I tell you what, this is probably the most touchy subject you can ever handle. People are so touchy and they're so suspicious. You can talk about virtually anything and they don't mind. But don't you dare mention money. Goodness me. So touchy and so suspicious. They have a saying amongst millionaires on Wall Street. I love this saying. People who've made it, they say, no one is so stupid that they can't make money. But, uh, but some people are too smart. 
Nobody is so stupid that they can't make money. But some people are too suspicious. Can't trust anything. Can't believe anybody. Can't even believe God. So I want to open this morning really appealing to you. And I mean this. Don't let this request pass over your head. Relax for heaven's sake. <laughs> Relax when it comes to talking about money. And open up to God Almighty. And I pray that for you. That today you open up to him. To say that talking about money is an understatement. To say that talking about money is important is an understatement. We need to talk about money a lot and understand it a lot. I've written a book on this actually on finances. which Some of which I'm going to cover this morning. Because I think it's incredibly important. The average man spends 38.3 years going to work. 38.3 years out of the average man's lifetime is spent in employment. And that equates to 55% of the average man's life. Now he's going to employment to earn what? Money! He needs to make money. So to say that it's not important to talk about this is just ridiculous. If 55% of the most precious thing I have, which is called time, if more than half of the average person's time is spent acquiring money, and by the way, sorry for the statistics, but it, they are interesting, 85% of people who go to work say they want to do something else. 85% <laughs> of people, therefore, are going to do something with 55% of their life that they don't want to do. <laughs> that's not, that's a, they're very negative statistics, really. That's a huge chunk out of my life. I better stop a moment and think about money. I better stop a moment and just ask myself, what does God say about all this? And have I got this plan right? Was I taught right when I was younger? So today we're going to look at the big picture, as I say. If I've got a friend here, let's call he's, let's say he's called Jack, and someone gives him a gift, someone just comes up and blesses him, and they give him two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Bang! There you go, Jack. Wow, Jack is blessed, right? Yeah, he's blessed. But if I give someone two hundred and fifty pounds, I'm more blessed than Jack. Because it's more blessed to give than receive. And the amount doesn't matter. Because of the eternal rewards that go with it. So even if I give a little like the, the widow's might. Truly this woman <laughs> will earn more in eternity. He may have been given a great gift of finance in this life. But my gift has actually begun with a, to earn an eternal dividend. Imagine in heaven... In one million years, two million years, three million years time, that small gift that I gave is still rewarding me. Truly, truly, it is more blessed to give. If that one point today, if that one point got in your head, it could change your future. It could change your eternity because you realize I need to give more. That's as we looked about in the last few weeks. 
Jesus teaches us about the importance of intentionality in our giving. And people don't intentionally give, I believe, because they don't understand uh, the meaning of it and the longevity of the blessing that comes even with small gifts. So to open up with this morning, I know most of you are born again. You're saved. You've, you've received what we call salvation. There are many words, both in Hebrew and Greek, for the word salvation. Um, and they carry a multitude of interpretations. But personally, I like to make it quite succinct and tight in my understanding. And when talking about my understanding of salvation, I consider it to have four parts. Healing, deliverance, righteousness, and prosperity. Now, this is where people start getting annoyed because <laughs> they don't mind the healing. They don't mind the deliverance. They don't mind the righteousness. But if you dare even mention prosperity, people go off on a tangent. So stay with me. Stay with me. Healing doesn't cause many arguments. Deliverance doesn't cause that many arguments. The imputed righteousness of Christ doesn't cause many divisions or arguments. But my oh my. <laughs> the prosperity gospel and preaching and teaching around prosperity has divided many people and confused many people over the years. And I hope today we can get any sense of that out of our minds. I think a good place to start would be not with people, not with the opinions of, of, of men, but with God's word. What does God say about you and finance? What does God say? Tell me something from Scripture that God says about me. Jeremiah 29 11, one of the most quoted scriptures and good. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you. Now there's a father talking, isn't it? Isn't that a father talking? I know the plans I have for you, my child. Plans to prosper you. And not to harm you. Plans to give you a good hope and a good future. I know my plans, but men do not know them often. And you do not know them often. Who told you anything else? Where did you pick that up from? For me, this is a great scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. Another foundational scripture is 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. Where it says that, now God supplies seed to the sower and bread for food and he will also supply and increase your seed and will enlarge your harvest. Jeremiah 29.11 tells me that God wants to prosper me. 2 Corinthians 9.10 tells me how he's going to do it. God supplies seed to the sower. So God says, I want to bless you. And then he tells me how he's going to bless me. I'm going to bless you through your consistent giving. That's how the finance in the kingdom works. One of the greatest uh, fallacies in the minds of Christians is that seeds multiply. Seeds do not multiply. You can have a pack of seeds in your cupboard for a thousand years and those seeds will not multiply only sown seeds multiply only when you give that seed into the ground unless a seed falls into the ground and dies 
It remains just a single seed. It remains a single pound, a single dollar. But when we understand that God wants to prosper us, Jeremiah, I hope that takes away the fear. And then we understand through Corinthians, he has told us, I want you to give and I'm going to increase your seed and increase your personal harvest. Everything about God <laughs> is abundant. Look at the Garden of Eden. I mean, talking about lavishing your love on your children. That must have been one beautiful garden. I mean, you can imagine it, the description of it. He made it just perfect, beautiful, fantastic. One rule, not 640 rules, not 10 commandments, one rule. Just one thing, guys. Don't touch the tithe. <laughs> Don't touch the tree. Okay? In the Garden of Eden, it's an eternal principle that's being set up here. In the Garden of Eden, it was a tree. But for us, it's, it's finance primarily. In some parts of the world, it's not finance because they don't have much money. It can be fruit and other things. But here, it was fruit. And right at the beginning, God sets up a premise for his relationship with Adam and Eve. And he sets up a premise for his relationship with you. And it's not touching the tithe right at the beginning. And that expands as we go through scripture. However, with the entrance of Satan came the insinuation of lack. The suggestion of God that, that God is withholding from you. God doesn't love you. God knows if you only had that one thing that you don't have, if you were only able to eat of the fruit of that tree, he's withholding from you. He doesn't want to prosper you. He doesn't want you to have a good future. And that insinuation rings throughout history. And I hope it doesn't ring in your ears that God is in any way causing lack or the author of lack because that was the voice of Satan that brought that in. And it caused doubt. God's word to her and to him, to Adam and Eve, brought faith. But the lies of the devil took away that faith and brought doubt. And they listened to the devil that God was against them when he was not. And this caused the fall of humanity as we know and then God responded with healing deliverance righteousness and prosperity God stepped in to restore now I want you to hear my point this morning please listen carefully right now Adam and Eve's relationship with God and their future was drastically affected by the tithe they didn't think it was important they thought, I cannot take the fruit of the tree or I can take off the tree. It doesn't really matter. It's no big deal. It's a big deal, all right. Adam and Eve's relationship with God was dramatically affected by their attitude to giving and by their attitude to finance. And I would propose to you that it's the same for you and for me. Your relationship with God today is very strongly affected by your finances. It is. And the way you handle them. Luke chapter 16 verse 10. Jesus, now we've come all the way from the Garden of Eden. And now we're listening to Jesus. Many thousands of years later. Luke chapter 16 verse 10. Whoever is faithful with a little will also be faithful with much. 
And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. If you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with true riches? Spiritual riches, it says in some versions. And if you've not been faithful with someone else's belongings, how can you be given the belongings of another? So Jesus makes the exact same comparison. He compares the, um, your wealth with your relationship with God and your ability to go forward. So I would suggest to you exactly what I see in Scripture. My life is closely tied. My attitude to finance is closely tied to my relationship with God. And the one can hinder the other. Is there a big Scripture principle? If I look at the overarching principles in the Bible, are there overarching principles in the New Testament, the, the Old Testament, and today? Yes, there are. And later I'll send you notes or you can go to our Facebook page. You can get them there or send us a message and we'll send them to you. Is there a big picture principle? Yes. Listen carefully. The tithe, the free will offering, the sacrificial offering, and faith giving. These four principles flow right through Scripture. They are exemplified in the life of King David, from which we hear a lot. David was a man after God's own giving heart. David was a man after God's own giving heart, I tell you. And I'll, I'll, I'll read this piece of Scripture because we, a, a lot of faith giving and giving is founded on 1, uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. King David wanted to build a temple. That was his dream. That was his desire. He'd saved up the money. He'd got gold and silver and he had this plan. He had this dream. But David had blood on his hands. And to his great heartache, God spoke to him and said, David, I don't choose you to do this. I'm choosing your son, Solomon. And I think that moment of David's life must have been the saddest moment uh, of his life. But he recovered greatly. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, David says this, Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, he is young and inexperienced. And this task is great. This palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now with all my ability, look at that. David wasn't angry at Solomon. He didn't try and usurp Solomon. He wanted to do what Solomon was doing, but he stepped back. God has chosen him instead of me. He will get my full support. This is a man after God's own heart, I tell you. The task is great. This palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now with all of my ability, I have made provision for the house of God. Gold for the gold articles, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron and wood for the wood, as well as onyx and settings and turquoise and stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones and slabs of, mar of marble, all in abundance. Verse 3, moreover, here we go, moreover, now the levels of giving kick in. Moreover, because of my delight in the house of God, I now give from my personal treasures of gold and silver and above all that. Here we go. <laughs> I have provided for the holy temple, 3,000 talents, etc., etc. David is a classic example of pushing through the different levels of giving. 
So I see in the Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden, a primary entry point for humanity to understanding the beginnings of giving in the tithe. But by the time we even get to David, David has just blown that out of the water. I've given with all my ability. A tithe? No, I gave my tithe. I gave with all my ability. Moreover, I gave beyond that. And David starts to expand our perception of what God can do through someone with a giving heart. So this general biblical structure that I want you to grasp, uh, both academically and spiritually, I want you to see it in Scripture and, and own it for the rest of your days and then operate through it. It begins with the tithe. And I, let me bring this word tithe into a New Testament context. The word tithe, by the way, it means 10%. That's what the word means. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, Paul says this, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So Paul explains, based upon the Old Testament structure of 10%, Paul doesn't state 10%. He states, bring in a sum of money in keeping with your income. And I believe Paul's inference there is very clear. It should be a minimum, right? If the Old Testament saints before Christ, who were not born again, if they could bring in an abundance, how much more we, post the cross, how much more we, who now have the full revelation of Christ in history, how much more we, I think Paul is saying 10%, are you kidding me? Lay your life down. Lay your life down. Yes, okay, no problem. If you're a new believer, bring in your tithe. But I believe for a New Testament believer, it goes far beyond this. Far beyond this. So, let me work through these one by one. I don't know if you can see this on your screen. These are 10 pound notes. <laughs> 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, and 100. Let me say that this, this is my wages, okay? This is my income for this week. Now I look at scripture and I begin my Christian life. I am determined to get my life aligned financially in Jesus' name. Are you with me? Are you willing to do that? To open up to God, to get you on like railway lines, permanently focused on what he wants in my finances. I see in scripture that the first 10%, not the second, you know, many Christians tithe, but they don't prosper. It's true. The Bible says tithe and God will pour out blessing on your life, but it doesn't happen. It's true. You know why? Because they don't tithe the first 10%. The tithe is the first fruits. So this is my payday. I've just got paid. <gasps> I've got my rent. I've got my electricity. I've got, I've got all sorts of things. I've got, what, what am I going to do? The first thing I do, and this is where the blessing is, the first thing I do is I honor God with the first fruits of my wealth. 
with the first fruits of my income. So here it goes. 10% goes into the offering. There we go. This principle affects one thing predominantly for me, my obedience. Now I've trusted God. Now I've seen in his word how he wants me to begin my spiritual walk in finance and I have obeyed him. But it doesn't stop there because many people can tithe but they remain not good people. They can tithe but not, not good, not excuse me, but not good Christians. Uh, that's just true. But if you will continue the process, God will continue his work. The next step up is free will offerings. And this is completely different. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Because God loves a cheerful giver. So I see this free will. So my tithe has affected my obedience. Now my free will offerings, it changes my personality. If you've got two children and you give one of the, ch one of the children gets a bag of sweets. When they're very young, they keep them to themselves. And you as a parent have to say, ah, 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 share your sweets. Off, but, and you're instructing them. They're not doing it of their own free will. <laughs> they, they don't want to do it. But you tell them to do it. And then as they begin to do it, they think, well, that was quite nice. That was good. That felt right to do that. If, you, if you've got someone who's, who's like 20 years old with a bag of sweets, <laughs> and they're still keeping their sweets, now we've got a problem. I want my children to give their sweets of their own free will. I don't want to make it a stipulation under the law. I don't want that. No parent wants that. I want you to have a generous personality. And that's where the free will offering comes. The tithe makes me obedient. And it brings me, it introduces me to a relationship with God on finances. But the free will offering starts to change my personality from being selfish to being God-centered and open to sharing with other people. But it doesn't stop there. We haven't got to love yet. <laughs> and that's the sacrificial offering. And that's the third stage of our giving. In Hebrews 13 verse 6, it says this, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased let me speak to every person listen to me for yourself you are supposed to make sacrifices you are intended you're blessed to make sacrifices now watch this I've given my tithe my 10% now I just got a phone call from Brazil from brother Antonio our apostle in Brazil and he tells me the virus is terrible and he needs some help. I just feel I would like to give him a little gift. So I'm going to send him of my own free will. I'm going to send him 20 pounds. Okay. But now I just heard that there's been an earthquake in Colombia. Oh goodness. What am I going to do? Because I've got to pay my bills. 
I've got electric, I've got gas, I've got petrol. Whew. I've given my tithe and I paid my free, I, I, I gave a free will offering because I, I wanted to, but now, I mean, I promised Mary's we would go to the cinema next week and I need the money to go to the cinema. Huh? And I did say we would go to that football match and I can't afford to do that and that. Hmm, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to cancel something. I'm going to have to make a sacrifice. Which do I love more then? My social life or the kingdom of God? So I say to my wife, you know what we said we were going to do? Would you agree with me and cancel it? And instead, we give the money for the earthquake victims? Suddenly I'm changing through finance. Tithing has brought me under obedience. Giving freely has made me a happier person because I'm not selfish. And now we're coming to the, the heart of God. Do you know what God gave you? His only son. That's what you call a sacrifice. He didn't have two. He didn't have three. He didn't have four. God gave you his only son. And that's the example we have of the sacrifice in the heart of the Father. And when I give up something, that same spirit comes into me. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. For Christ Jesus is neither the circumcision nor the uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And sacrificial giving brings me in to a place where I'm beginning to flow in the love of God. My personality has opened up and hopefully become attractive to sinners and to other people who see the generosity of God in me. Now they're seeing the love of God in me because of the sacrifices I'm making. The life of God himself is beginning to be manifest in me. But we're not finished. I'm not finished. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. And without faith it is impossible to please God. So I can do all these things. And they are good. I can tithe. I can free will offering. I can sacrificial offering. I can do all these things. But without faith it is impossible to please God. And what we see David do, the man after God's own heart, we see, I gave with all my ability. As much as I was able, keep listening, moreover, oh, I see. Moreover, and above and beyond my ability. Faith. David kicked in to the realm of faith. And that's where you will hear this represented around the world in various forms called missions faith giving or a faith pledge that we see it in our forefathers. And you'll also see it, the Apostle Paul talk about this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 3. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. 
In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy, they were happy givers, their overflowing joy in, 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 and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now listen to this. This is a testimony. I've heard a few testimonies in my life. <laughs> this is a testimony from none other than the Apostle Paul. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able. They gave the tithe. They gave the frugal. Right? They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, faith. They were able to open their lives up to be channels of faith giving. And this is ultimately God's desire as a destination for us. Back to my little example here. Okay, I got paid. The first thing I did was put 10% to the church I attend. That's where the tithe goes. Then I had the problem in Brazil. So I gave a, a free will offering. I paid all my bills. We've got food in the house. We've got everything I need. And I heard about what happened with the earthquake. So I, I, we cancelled some things we were going to do. And I made a sacrificial offering. But now, today, I've just heard that the pandemic is really affecting France. And people don't have enough money. They don't have enough to eat. But what am I going to do? Lord, I'd like to help France. I'd like to give, but I don't have any money left. Two weeks till payday. What do you think I should give to France? And pff, what? God says give a thousand pounds. A thousand pounds? That's unbelievable. A thousand pounds? I don't have a thousand pounds. Oh, okay. I take my pen. I'm going to make a pledge in a moment. I, Michael McKeever, pledge that by the power of God, I will fulfill the desire that he has put in my heart. I feel for this situation. And I believe that figure is from him. I pledge that I'm going to give this. I'm going to give this. as he, I don't have it. Today, I can give 20 pounds. And now I'm going to wait for God to bring the blessing into my life. I was listening this week to the wonderful woman, Margaret Seward. And she had pledged $100,000 actually. She had pledged over a six month period. Great faith. And the period was coming to an end. And she was giving this testimony in CCC. She said that the period was coming to an end and she said to Fred, Fred, we're still $22,000 short, you know. And I do believe that, the, although that was a big amount, that was a huge amount of money, but I, I still believe it. What? And she was preaching that day. And she said she went to the church and when she finished preaching, this woman came up to her and said, she'd never spoken to this woman before and didn't know who she was. The woman said to her, does the number 22 mean anything to you? And Margaret said, no, nothing. And the woman said, are you sure? Yeah. And the woman said, well, I just, as I was sitting there, I felt God say to me to give you $22,000. And Margaret went, oh, 22,000. You didn't say 22,000. You said 22. 
<laughs> Does 22,000? Yes! 22,000 means a lot to me because I made a faith pledge and I can't fulfill it. I'm short 22,000. Well, God has told me to supply that money to you. Now, I tell you what, can you imagine the change that comes over your relationship with God? You're building faith. You can use the same faith for healing the sick. It's the same faith. The same faith transfers. You can use it all over your life. But finance is one of the primary roots that God wants to develop this faith muscle within you. You become an obedient giver when you tithe. You become a happy giver through free will offerings. You become a loving giver through sacrificial offerings. But you become a faith giver through faith pledging and developing that aspect of your relationship with God. There is a sequential development there. And I would advise you to follow the scriptural pattern. It's a blessing to you. The second point I would make is developing your faith is probably the wisest thing a Christian could do. Just developing your faith. It's wise to develop your faith. Faith is central to your life. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 9, we are saved by faith. Romans chapter 1 verse 7, we live by faith. Romans chapter 4 verse 13, we receive righteousness by faith. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, we are justified by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 24, we stand by faith. Galatians chapter 3 verse 14, we receive the Holy Spirit by faith. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 4, we do God's works by faith. Galatians chapter 5 verse 5, we wait for Christ's return by faith. It is a wise thing for a Christian to work on developing their faith. And God has given us an avenue for doing that. It is through your giving. And by the way, uh, please hear me on this. This is about relationship. Always about his relationship with you. Bringing you closer and closer to him. I have many people in my life. I've got a bank manager. I know my bank manager. Met with him several times. I have a relationship with him. I've got a fitness instructor. I've got a relationship with him. But it's in a different department. Not about money. That's about fitness. I have a maintenance man in my apartment block. I know him because that's what he does. All of these people have different names. God has many names. God has many names and many functions in my life, many ways in which I can know God. He is known as Elohim. This is God Almighty, the God of power and might. And you may know that God. He is known as Yahweh, the eternal God. He is known as Abba Father. And you may know him as Abba Father, as the intimate Father. But my point is, he's also known as Jehovah Jireh. He's known as the Lord, my provider. And I'll tell you a little secret, guys. <laughs> when you talk with Christians, when you, you know, in ministry, over the years, you, 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 you begin to understand people better and better. For example, some people never talk to me about God and money. They will never come to me and say, Pastor Mike, God spoke to me that I should give here. Never say that to me. But the same person may talk to me about healing. Pastor Mike, can we pray for healing for the... Ah, so you know Jehovah Rapha. 
You know God, your healer. You have, you've got a relationship with this aspect of God. So when you're talking to me, I can hear in you. You're identifying yourself. You're revealing yourself. You know God is your healer. You have had experience. Answer me this question. Why do you not talk to me then about giving? Do you have a relationship with Jehovah Jireh? With God, your provider? You need to develop that relationship at deeper and deeper and deeper levels. So interacting with God on the basis of faith is a very good habit to learn. Many, many people, believers and non-believers, they pick up bad habits in life. You could become a dominating person. Maybe people let you away with that. Your parents let you away with bad behavior. And then you start transferring the same bad behavior onto God. You can't do that, you know. In terms of finance, you can't use emotional blackmail to get God to move in your finances. You can't start crying and he's going to answer. No, 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 no. You can't bribe God. The currency of heaven is faith. The language of heaven is faith. That's the language. It's faith. Nothing pleases God other than faith expressing itself in love. Love for him. And love for people. So do your tithe, pay your tithe and set it up and make it the first fruits. Ask God to show you where to give a free will offering and watch your personality blossom. But beyond that, I want you to give until you end up having to make some sacrifice. Okay? Give until you're, you're getting past your ability, just like David said. I gave with all my ability and then I kicked into a new level of giving. Just like the Apostle Paul said about Macedonia, they gave as much as they were able and I testify they were enabled to give beyond their ability. So I encourage you to do that. Why? So that you get to a place where your faith is strengthened and this will bless you and bless your families and bless your eternity. The fact of the matter is, many Christians never use their faith. <laughs> when was the last time you used your faith? Your faith is a muscle, but you don't have to use it. You can just sit there and never use your faith. I worked in a mental hospital for many years, and one of the wards, I didn't work on that ward much, but it was chronically handicapped people. Some of those people had never one time, for example, used their arm. Now, if a baby is born and a baby never uses their arm, I tell you that arm is so thin. It's like a pencil. It's ridiculous. You look, and when I first worked on that ward, I thought, oh my Lord, how can they be so skinny? And we had to put sheets underneath them because if you pick them up, you'd break their arm. You can't, you can't pick them up. You have to put sheets and like three, four people would pick them up in a sheet and put them in the bath like this because they're so weak, they'll just snap. That's the result of not using faith. Faith is a muscle, but if you don't use it, it will waste away. And that's not what you were built for. You were built for power, to be empowered. So exercise that faith. And we exercise the faith when we get past the sacrifice 
and into the place that is beyond our ability. Supernatural increase. No limits. Keep pushing. Keep pushing into the God bit. Praise the Lord for what we can do. But keep on pushing in to the God bit. Many miracles in scripture, I'm tempted to say all here, to be honest with you, but I'll say many. <laughs> they require an action on behalf of the person. You have to do something. And many people don't use their faith. The man with the withered hand, his hand is withered, and Jesus says, stretch out your hand. Now he has to do that. He has to do something that he doesn't have the ability to do. Miracle. The cripple on the mat, Jesus says, stand up. He can't stand up. He's a cripple. He has to do something he can't do. The blind man, Jesus said, get up and go, and go to the pool. How am I supposed to go to the pool? That's beyond my ability. So we kick into the miraculous when we start pushing in to what is God's ability through me. Or the widow with the oil. I've got nothing except this little thing. Give that little thing. Elijah represented Christ in that place. And in conclusion this morning. Do you know what this is? You know what this is about? You know what this is actually about? <laughs> this is funny. This is about you. This is all about you. That's right, you. Jesus said... Do not store up treasure for yourself, you, on earth. And he said, instead, store up treasure for you in heaven. <laughs> the title of this message today is the purpose of our prosperity. The purpose of your prosperity. So I hope you get the picture. God is trying to bless you so that you will be a blessing, so that you will build a greater eternal reward. Do not store up for yourself treasures on this earth where moth and dust, blah, 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 but store up treasures for yourself in heaven. God's trying to bless your eternity. In, oh, sorry, I've forgotten the date. Jeremy Seward has asked me to begin introducing the faith pledge here around the world, many of our churches, because of the pandemic and because of the loss of jobs, etc., there was a slight pause on MFP, on missions, faith pledges. That's totally understandable, no problem. But LFC, together with thousands of other churches around the world, we're going to initiate a faith pledge term on Sunday the 4th of April, which is three or four weeks away. And I'm just beginning that announcement now, together with Singapore, together with Pastor Roy, and all the other apostles in the different regions around the world. We're saying to all of our people, keep these principles in place. Just do a little uh, review of your life today. Are you tithing? Are you involved in free will offering? Are you consistently making sacrifices? And is the faith of God operating through your finances? Get yourself into that place in these last days. I apologize if today's message is a little bit technical. It is. But it is the superstructure and it is the, the Bible's design. Uh, I, I did send some notes out this morning. Sorry, they're 14 pages long. I wouldn't normally do that. But on the issue of finance, you need to be very precise. 
need to be very accurate. So I want you to have all the scriptures. You can also have this book for free. I will send it to you. The message I've brought you today is spread over five chapters in here. I can send you the PDF or you can get it on sermon.net. And that will go into much, much more detail. In the notes I've sent, I've given a little exam there. It's very interesting. It's a self-assessment that each believer can do in terms of how how's your giving and how is God in your eyes in terms of your giving. And there's questions that you can answer for yourself. For example, question number one, is God good enough in my eyes? I know the plans I have for you. Just think about the question. Question number two, have I been stupid financially? Have I just been stupid? Is that my history? Then I have to stop. Have I not studied what scripture said and I listened to my Uncle Joe, you know, I listened to someone instead of going back to the Bible? That's, that can be a bad mistake. Have I been conscious of the poor? Whoever gives to the poor lends to the Lord. And there's 12 questions here that are a very good place for us to start. In this month, the month of March, we're going to prepare for making a, a Missions Fifth Pledge on the 4th of April. I would ask you in these next three or four weeks, bring your tithe up to speed. Intentionally give free will offerings. Intentionally make sacrificial offerings. And as we approach the 4th of April, I will bring to you some church needs and church planting plans that we can give to missions in faith as is God's desire. Lord, I thank you, particularly this morning for LFC. I thank you for their great faithfulness in giving and their rich generosity, as Paul would put it. Would you continue to grow us as a people, as a church, and grow VFC around the world? Bless Pastor Jeremy, Pastor Shane, and all the regional overseers as they begin to stir their churches in these last days for one great last push. Do not build up for yourself treasures on earth where they rot and waste away, but build up for yourself treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. Have faith in God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Um, what a timely message. I'm convicted and if you're convicted it is not by Pastor Mike trying to manipulate